I want to take you back to uh, December 31, 1988. I don't know what you were doing that night, December 31, 1988, but I'll tell you what I was doing. Uh, Sons and I, girls, we traveled from Ava to Springfield. We went to church that night at Temple Baptist Church on Fort Street, downtown Springfield. Uh, we, we went there because we were invited to come, and they were... They were given an opportunity. They gave me an opportunity to preach a trial sermon. Always had, had a little problem with that, but anyway. Because uh, they were looking for a pastor for a church plant. They'd already given it the name Southgate, and they were looking for a pastor uh, for a church plant. And uh, I, I shook out at the top of, uh, well, I'm not sure if I shook out at the top or not. I, Anyway, I ended up being uh, invited to come, and I preached, and uh, I was preaching out of Nehemiah uh, chapter 8, and uh, the steps for revival. And as I stepped to the pulpit, I was thinking, man, I need to probably, I probably need to do the best. I've, if I want to move from Ava to Springfield, I probably need to do the very, probably need to do the very best of preaching I've ever done. So I was thinking about that. And I walked to the pulpit there at uh, Temple Baptist Church and I looked down the pulpit. And there was a plaque there. And the plaque read, We would see Jesus. So I adjusted my thinking as far as this preaching that I was going to do. The people in that congregation that were before me, the primary purpose there was not to hear this country preach. Their primary purpose of gathering that night was that they needed to see Jesus. And so I come this morning understanding that that is my responsibility here. More than anything else, you are a group of people who need to see Jesus. And I'm, I'm going to just try to represent Jesus Christ here this morning and speak a word from Jesus today. The verse that, uh, the verse that Dax read for me is out of uh, Philippians chapter 3 and and Paul was saying there, and that he said, you know, I'm, there's some things I got to forget. I have, forget that which is in the past. Now that evening of preaching at uh, Temple Baptist Church, I have not forgot all of those events. And after preaching that night, uh, I, got a, I got a pretty good vote. Wasn't 100 percent. Lord wants to keep you on your knees. Keep working, keep praying. And the next day, I drove to New Year's Day, 1989. There's only two other people in this building right now that'll know what they were doing that day. January 1, uh, 19, 1989, I drove to Jackson, Missouri to attend the funeral of Larry Mesa's. And driving through 
the back roads of South Missouri, South Central Missouri, you got you to gotta stay on your toes. You got to pay attention. And I was praying. And that trip to Jackson, Missouri, and back to Ava that day, God spoke a clear word to me that I was to be the founding pastor of Southgate Baptist Church. We never did call it a mission because within 10 months we constituted as a church. I remember that. Going back to Paul's words, going back to Paul's words, here, here's what Paul said. Forgetting, forgetting those things which are behind. So what was, what was Paul forgetting? Uh, you know, first point is uh, staring at the rear view, driving Campbell and, drive, and staring into the rear view mirror for very long will get you in trouble. Ken Roy put together a song. I ain't, I ain't driving Campbell no more. <laughs> and I'm going to tell you, you drive down the highway, whatever, and you just stare into the rearview mirror, you're going to get in trouble real quick. And Paul understood that. And there was two areas of his life that he, he wasn't going to, he wasn't going to focus on. He's going to set aside. He's going to forget as much as he could. And the one area that he was going to forget was the area of his life and the time in his life before he became a Christian. And before he became a Christian, he was number one enemy of the church. You know your Bible. You know the story of Paul and, and the book of Acts. He was, number, he was number one enemy of the church. And the boys... Paul, Paul, Saul at that time, that was his Hebrew name, Saul, Saul and the boys gathered one morning for tea. Got to read between the lines here, you're going to catch all this. <laughs> they were gathered, Morton Rose said of me one time, Morton Rose, old time preacher, he said, Carrier, you are the best at lying in the pulpit <laughs> of any preacher I've ever heard. I said, thank you. Yeah. So to hear me preach, you've got to be able to uh, discern and you've got to separate the truth from that which is baloney. <laughs> so Saul gathered with his boys and they were sipping a little tea and they said, hey, what are we going to do today? And uh, Saul said, you know, I don't like the movement of this church. You know, it's kind of getting out of hand. I think we need to take some steps uh, to bring an end to this. And the boys said, what do you, okay, Saul, what do you think we ought to do? And Saul says, I think if we'd kill a deacon. <laughs> I'm just thinking, if we would just stone a deacon, maybe that would slow things down. Hey, that's a great idea. That's a great, let's stone a deacon today. Let's stone a deacon. And uh, so uh, they turned to Saul and said, well, who, who you want to stone? Who, who should we stone? He said, well, let's, uh, Stephen's the one that's running his mouth all the time. I mean, he's preaching on the corner. People are hearing about Jesus Christ and they're believing that Jesus is the Messiah. They are believing that Jesus is the Messiah. Can you believe that? No, we don't believe it. Well, he's the one that's uh, spouting that. Let's stone Stephen. Let's stone Stephen. 
lead stone Stephen. And uh, Saul said, I'll, I'll get some rocks <laughs> if somebody will throw them. <laughs> and so Saul, he picked up some rocks and there was enough volunteers to throw the rocks. And, and so they found Stephen, they drug him out to the edge of town. And Saul said, hey, to throw those rocks, you guys need to take your coats off. I'll hold your coats for you. Give me your coats, I'll hold your coats for you. And you guys stone him and kill him right here. That'll stop the movement of this church. Saul, Saul, Saul wasn't so smart at that point in time. He didn't understand. He didn't understand the things of God at that point in time. They stoned Stephen. It fired Saul up and he started uh, uh, persecuting other Christians and putting them in jail and having them put to death. But it was like throwing fuel in the fire when those things happened. The church started growing by leaps and bounds and many people, thousands and people were coming to Christ and following Christ and becoming a part of Christ's church. I'm telling you when Saul said, forgetting those things which are behind. I'm saying he, he was trying to forget. He was going to put that out of his mind. And maybe, you know, even as a Christian, in the ninth chapter of Acts, he became a Christ follower and Christ called him to be a missionary, a spokesman for, uh, for the gospel. And, and even then, he didn't have it all, he didn't have it all right. He made, a few mix, he made a few mistakes. I'm one preacher that can really identify with what happened in Paul's life. Paul got crossways with, of all people, Barnabas. I mean, Barnabas, I mean, he was just a, I mean, he was easy. He was gentle. He had all the fruit of the Spirit. And, got, and, and Saul got crossways with Barnabas. And when they got ready to go on another missionary journey, Paul said, Barnabas, you like your little buddy, John Mark? You take him. I don't want to ever see his face again. Eh, read him between the lines. I don't want to see his face again. I'll take Silas. He's a real man. He's not a baby. He's not a mama's boy. He won't, halfway through our trip, he won't give up and run back to his mama, John Mark. So Paul took Silas and Barbara said, okay, I'll take, I'll take John Mark and we'll go. Later on, later on, Paul had to admit, hey, made a mistake. I've made a mistake. And he befriended John Mark again and patched things up with Barnabas and they continued to be a strong missionary force. There's some things that Paul wanted to forget. Some of the things that happened to him before he became a Christian and some of the things that he did after he Became a Christian when he was an evangelist and when he was establishing churches. And I think Paul wanted to kind of set that aside too. He wrote what? Half of the books of the New Testament, 13 out of 27. Uh, he uh, established at least 14 churches and some say maybe 20, some maybe 30. And those churches turned around and established other churches and other churches. There were daughter churches and there were granddaughter churches. And Paul took the attitude, I'm not going to dwell on that. 
I'm not going to focus on what God has used me to accomplish up to this point in time. I'm going to focus on what needs to be done yet. And so it's okay for us to glance in the rearview mirror this morning. It's all right for us to look back 35 years, but I'm going to tell you, church, don't you dwell looking back on the 35 years you build on the foundation that you have. Because I believe this, I believe this, that your best years are ahead of you. I believe that. God has spoken to my heart and has told me Southgate Baptist Church is a, as a perfect location. You got wonderful buildings. And there's a group of people in there who want to see this church reach others for Christ and grow and multiply and do that locally and do that regionally and do that nationally and do that internationally. I'm here, I'm a prophet. My daddy was a prophet, I'm, so I'm not a son of a prophet, but I'm a prophet called of God. I'm telling you, your best days as a church is out there in front of you. Believe it and pray for it and do the things that'll make it come about. Let me tell you just a little bit. Let me give you three stories. Three stories that speak about the spiritual DNA of this church. In 1997, Missouri Baptist Convention partnered with, through the IMB, partnered with the Baptist Union in Belarus had about 160 small churches. And a group of women went over there. There's always women. You talk, to, you talk to international missionaries, they'll tell you it's the women who step up and take the lead. And the men kind of peek around, show up maybe a little later on. But the women, the women and the group of women from Missouri, a group of women out of this church went to Belarus and they came back and they were on fire. They saw the great opportunity of taking the gospel to a people that had for years lived under communism. And, and communism had been loosened up a little bit and they had an opportunity to go. And one morning, office, tap on my door, yeah, come in. It's Bill Smith. Huh? You remember Bill Smith? He's a deacon in this church. We had a prayer ministry and, 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 and we had several dozen people would come and pray in the prayer room throughout the week. And Bill was praying on a Monday morning and I was in my office. He said, no, I need to talk to you. Okay. He said, I got an idea. God's given me an idea. As I prayed, God's given me an idea. What's your idea, Bill? He said, we've learned that that church that we have linked up with in uh, Belarus, Berezino, Belarus, that they are desperate for a, a building, a building that they could use to reach children in that community of 20,000 people. Two evangelical churches in a community of 20,000 people. Bill said, we have, an we have an opportunity to help them build a building. I said, how much? Bill, what's it going to cost? He says, what I... What I can put together is going to cost $40,000. And he says, I'll cover $20,000. Me and my friends, <laughs> me and my friends, we'll cover $20,000. And you lead this church 
to raise the other 20,000. And you tell this church, when the 20,000 is raised, you'll take it and, uh, and you'll take it over to Bellarine. See, everybody thought that was my idea. It wasn't my idea at all. I had a good deacon. I had some good deacons that walked with God and had insight to what God was up to and what he was doing. And I said, okay, Bill, we'll do it. And so uh, in the next few months, we raised uh, the other 20,000. 40,000 was going to build this three-story building, not to me square feet per floor, but still. And it's the first building that was been built in that, in that community of 20,000 people in years. We put the money together. Terry Dodd said, I'll go with you. I'll get Danny Knight to go with us. So we went. Debbie Yoakum went with us. Went over there. Took that money, cash, in a little brown envelope around our necks, on our chest. 10000 each. 10000 we went over there, we presented that money. They built that building. Jean Freeman was a lady who went on that trip, and she, uh, Jean was always sticking her nose in st- places she shouldn't stick her nose. I thought, I thought. I was. Jean said to that pastor, Pastor Spock, what, what, what can we do for you? Well, we need that Sunday school building, and uh, we, we need a van, we need a microbus. We could take our, our kids out and sing in the community and witness and share in the community. We need a microbus. How much? Oh, about 10000 So Jean was standing in the pulpit, standing in this pulpit, and she was sharing about her trip to Belarus. And she said, she started crying. Her little chin started quivering, and she started crying. So, oh, pastor, please forgive me. And I said, oh. And she looked back at her husband and said, oh, Bill. Please forgive me. I spoke when I shouldn't have. When Pastor Spock said we needed a micro bus for the ministry, I told him, you'll have it. (laughs) Southgate will provide it. And if I'd have stood up right there when she said that, I said, church, the church did it. Oh, we, we had a pie cake sale, <laughs> auction, sold 90 pies and cakes for an average of 100 bucks a, a pop. We had the $9,000 and Pastor Spock had his microbus that he ran the wheels on, taking the gospel to that part of Belarus. That was all in 99. 98 and 99. A year later, a year later, it was February the 13th, year 2000. We was having church business meeting, the right kind of church business. The right kind of church business. Well, he wasn't discussing the carpet or the paint or the shrubbery. We was, paint, we was doing the right kind of church business meeting. How can we take the gospel to another part of the world. And we had as our guest that night, Judith Gonzalez, the wife of Samuel Gonzalez, who came from Guadalajara, Mexico, to lead Missouri Baptist and Greene County Baptist in ministering and reaching Hispanics in Southwest Missouri and Springfield. 
And Judah established hand-in-hand ministry and she was voted Springfieldian of the year for the ministry that she had with, with internationals coming into Springfield. And she stood right here and she said, my brother, my brother is trying to start a church in a little community called El Sapote, just south of Guadalajara, close to the... Uh, it took me six months to learn how to say El Sapote. <laughs> but uh, he's trying to... And he wants to build a clinic. He wants to build a medical clinic. And they've hired... They have called a church staff person, an RN. She was four foot nine. She was, a, she was an RN. And, and we want to... They want to... Minister the people in that community. There's no medical facility in that community. And there's no evangelical witness in that community. And we want to build this clinic and minister the physical needs of the people in that community. And they will use that building on Sunday as their church. I thought, wow, we need to do this. Wow, we need to be a part of this. Now, understand, we owed over a million dollars at that time on this building. Two weeks later, after Judith gave us the invitation to participate in that, building that building, and Elsa poked it. Two weeks later, no, it was just a week later. Sunday morning, I gave the invitation. And there was a little gal in our church who had a birthday, her sixth birthday, on January 31, January 31, 2000. When the invitation was given, I looked up and uh, Emily Sheely walking down there. She had an envelope in her hand. I said, what's going on, Emily? What? I don't know if she had been saved at that point in time, but she was, she, was, she was headed that direction. If she hadn't been saved right there, she was headed that direction. She had a vision of what God was doing. And she handed me that envelope and she told me that there was $60 in that envelope and that it was her birthday money. Birthday money. She wanted to give it to that mission. She could say El Sopote. I said, say that again. <laughs> say it again. <laughs> and I said, hey folks, this lady right here, this six-year-old, she just made a motion. She seconded it herself and she voted that this church will help build that medical clinic in El Sopote. And I said, here's the plan, how we're going to do it. You're thinking, oh, we owe a million dollars on this building. No, listen to me. She gave, this is going to be simple. She gave $10 for every year on her birthday. I said, I won't expect that from all of you, but I would expect a dollar <laughs> For every year, and for some of you, that's going to be quite a bit of money. <laughs> and two weeks after that, Daryl Copeland brought me a check and said, if that little girl could do that, I could do that, and gave a check for $700. And it was just weeks that we had $35,000, enough money to take it to Guadalajara, take it to El Sopote, and help them build that, that medical clinic. Steve Foster. I like Steve. 
He blocked for me really well. I mean, he really blocked for me really well. He said, Carrier, I'll go with you. I speak Spanish. I said, okay, let's go. So on September, September 24th, a Sunday, we, we uh, drove to Tulsa. We flew to uh, Dallas. We flew to Guadalajara. And Samuel Gonzalez was with us, and there was a few other people. And we took that money there. And uh, we handed the money over, and we ministered there that week. I, I, uh, uh, I taught at the uh, seminary that week. Uh, Samuel was helping me with that. And we would meet, the, we would meet with the leaders there, and, and Steve, would talk, Steve would talk to these people, you know. And these people would look at him, kind of turn their head as he talked. And then to kind of look at each other and kind of smile. And uh, I realized then that Steve's, Steve was a little rusty on his Spanish. <laughs> and he admitted, he admitted as much. After we left, he says, Ah, oh, Carrier, I'm a little rusty on my Spanish. I hope I didn't say anything bad. <laughs> he didn't say anything bad. Fast forward another story, and I'll close with this story. Uh, the year was uh, 2005. And Tony had come to me, and John Dock had come to me, and Michael Graves came to me, and from day one, from day one, 35 years ago, from day one, I said, someday this church plant will plant a church. I'm certain of it. That's what God wants us to do. And Mike felt that, and Tony felt that, and John Dock thought that. And they said, we, are, are we ready to go with this? I said, yeah, we're ready to go with it. Northside, they'd been praying, they'd been meeting. I said, well, yeah, church will be behind you. Church will be behind you. At the same time that was going on, there was a building committee planning for this. We called it then future generation building, your student building. Three million and a half. Three million and a half. Because it's going to do some major uh, renovation in other areas of the building. So all this was coming at the same time. Church plant probably would take 35 people out of this church and two staff members. And building a major, a major building for ministry that we desperately needed for children, for preschoolers, and for youth. And so it was coming. Hey, it was coming. Both of them coming. And we're going to do the church plant in September. Northbridge. Northbridge Church. Out on H Highway. You know you have a daughter, right? You, you know you have a daughter. A really healthy daughter. A couple of their pastors are with us today. You met her, right? Pastor Dax, Pastor Tony. Ask me which one's my favorite. <laughs> Building committee was presenting plans to the church. I get, a, I get a letter. I get a letter in the mail. Letter said, Pastor, what are you thinking? We cannot support two 
major initiatives at the same time. I mean, I'm, well, it was in real bold letters. I think it was being said that way. <laughs> so I, call, I called the lady up. I said, uh, come in. I, I said, you're, 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 I got your letter. I read the letter. I said, yeah, you, you're, you're speaking the truth. Oh, thank God. I said, come, let's talk about it. So she came in and sat down. Do you see what I'm, my concern? We can't do these two, two major initiatives at the same time. I said, you're right. Oh, thank God. Thank you. I said, we can't. But God can. God can do it. I busted a few bubbles and balloons in my time, and I did one that day. And she said, you're, you're a kid. You're, you're moving ahead on this. I said, God's moving ahead on it. It's, not nothing, it's nothing about me. This is what God wants to do. I believe that this church in the past and this church in the future will embrace and do things and ministry that only can be explained because of God's involvement and His blessing and His doing. September the 11th, we put a little spin on September the 11th. September the 11th, we planted, we planted Northbridge. And in October, we broke ground on the new generation building. God did a work. God is always about doing a work way beyond what we could imagine. Let's press forward. That's what the verse, that's what verse 14 said. Let's press forward. Let's press forward. Southgate, let's press forward. Celebrate, huh? Glance in the rear view mirror. Glance in the rear view mirror. Acknowledge what's behind. But turn around and let's press forward. Embrace a life with Christ and sharing Christ. A life with Christ and sharing Christ. Here on this earth until He comes again and then we'll all get it. Hey, hey, I'll tell you what we do. In God's heaven someday, those who gathered right here on February the 4th, 2024, we can, I'm sure there's going to be good communication in heaven. I'm sure there is. We can send out a word. Let's get together and let's celebrate again. This group, celebrate again. And we can do that, we can do that only if every one of you here today has given your heart to the Lord Jesus Christ. And if not given your heart and your life to the Lord Jesus Christ, Now's the time, the moment to do it. Let me pray. Father, there's folks here today who, uh, if they died of a disease or if they died in an accident, they don't have the hope of going into your heaven. 
They know about Jesus, but they don't know Jesus. And I pray, God, that your Holy Spirit would do a work in their hearts and that they can know right now that they can pray and receive Christ into their life and have the hope of having Jesus with them throughout life here on earth and have Jesus in heaven. They can go to the place that Jesus will prepare, is preparing for them. So first, God, I would just cry out to those who have never been saved, never made a personal commitment of their life to Christ. May they reach that, reach out for Him today. And for those of us who have, I pray, God, that it be a day of renewal and recommitment. There's some folks here who've been come really, really lazy concerning spiritual life. And uh, uh, they're, they're just coasting. And they're doing nothing for the cause of Christ. And I pray, God, that you would shake them up, speak to them. Speak to them in the urgency of being on fire for the Lord and serving Him. And help them get over whatever excuses that they've made. Not being involved, not being in the church, not being involved. Help them, God, to get past that. Quit playing a game. Get serious about walking with the Lord Jesus Christ and serving Him. I pray this prayer in the powerful name of Jesus. Amen.